As always, this show, part of it, a great deal of it. In fact, the main source of it is you and your questions about employment law and uh, your job, severance, all that stuff. That is why the phone lines are already cracked open and ready for you. You know the number, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. If you have uh, concerns about your job, maybe you're an employer and you have questions about that as well, looking to uh, you know thin the herd in 2020 or maybe hire people for that matter, how do you safeguard against any problems? later on you want to call through and ask dave any of those questions they will all be answered we'll get to that as well clarifying misconceptions when it comes to with respect to severance a lot of talking points to cover in that regard and we always start with the week that was a couple things that have been going on in your uh, your busy world dave what's uh, what's going on big fella yeah, the uh, first situation I wanted to talk about is uh, kind of a unique one, uh, one I haven't mm-hmm. seen come up a lot, um, but it, it does uh, kind of address some issues we deal with quite a bit. And um, so in this case, uh, my client had a, uh, a base salary and a commission plan, and the base salary was about 50000 and the commission average was about 50000 So it's a, a, basically a pure uh, 50-50 split. Yep. So the company comes in and they say, we're taking away your salary entirely, but we're going to increase your commissions. Um, percentage and, and plan, so you should be able to make it up in commissions, and so your compensation should change or it shouldn't change. And in a lot of cases, um, you know, when we make when there's changes to the bonus structure, the commission structure, I tell people you got to wait and see what happens because. If it's true that it actually doesn't result in loss of loss of pay, um, you know, in terms of how much, compared to how much you work, then that wouldn't be a constructive dismissal. So usually the best course of action when there's a change to the commission plan is, you know, identify um, the issues that you have to your employer, you know, put them on notice that you're concerned, but you're going to try it out to see what happens. And sure. so, and, and you know, if you go through that process and it turns out it doesn't result in a, a drop in pay, then then you're good. You continue to working. If it turns out it does, then at that point you can actually allege constructive dismissal. You haven't waited too long because you've actually you didn't know these changes were going to result in a reduction in pay until it actually happened. Right. Now, in this case, it's a bit different though because they've essentially taken away you know probably the most fundamental component of some of, of this person's compensation, right? The salary, the guaranteed salary, regardless of results. And by right. taking that away, even though they say, "Oh, you may make it up," um, well, that doesn't. It's, it's you're not comparing apples to to apples um, because you know he, this person all of a sudden you know he had a guaranteed salary, you know he has expenses that he's paying and and, and whatnot, um, and to just all of a sudden lose that salary is a huge change to the terms of employment. So in this case, um, I actually uh, you know don't recommend waiting it out. Um, I think that that changes you know the loss of the salary, whether or not they you know they they introduce some new um, you know potential um, commissions that they can, this individual can earn, um, to me that's not the issue. Uh, or that's not going to change the fact that removing someone's base salary is a constructive dismissal. And, um, you know, we uh, we were able to go through the process there and, um, you know, negotiate a severance package on that basis. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, important, um, you know, like I said, to to give it a, you know, when they change the commissions or bonuses, to, to really think about it and, and give it a shot. Um, but, you know, when something's this drastic, you know, you can't act again 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell here at uh, almost 10 minutes after seven it is your call to make the call and ask your questions what else you got going on brother yeah, another one uh, I wanted to talk about uh, is uh, it actually comes up quite a bit at this time of the year, and that's um, and I had a, a lot of cases like this uh, in the last month or two um, that uh, where the an individual's let go, they're offered a severance package, mm-hmm. and the severance package doesn't account for the bonus, and right. 
you know, if it's a bonus during the notice period, um, and it's not a you know huge percentage of your pay, uh, and maybe the notice period isn't uh, you know significant, maybe it's four months or six months, then a lot of the time the bonus isn't going to become a you know it's not going to get in the way of a settlement. But a lot of time, what I, what happens in you know October through December is people get let go. They're offered a severance package based just on their base salary, and they're not given that accrued bonus that they've earned from January first, you know, for eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve months mm-hmm. of the year. And so basically what happened in a number of these cases where, you know, the individuals were offered, you know, severance packages that maybe didn't look terrible from a a notice perspective, or at least it was something to negotiate with. But, you know, the employers were withholding um, $20,000, $30,000 of accrued bonus, um, you know, and that's something that you always have to consider uh, when, you know, when assessing a severance package. So when you get that severance package from your employer, um, don't just look at the months or the weeks. Look at, you know, make sure it's all forms of compensation and especially, um, you know, if you've worked a substantial portion of the, the bonus or bonus year. Does it not also count if that bonus has a history to it? For instance, you've been working for the company for 15 years, and out of 11 of those 15 years, you've received a bonus every year. You're Clark Griswold, and you get stiffed for the bonus uh, when you get let go. That That does count, yeah? Yeah, the biggest things to look at for bonuses, um, first of all, is whether it's an integral part of your your compensation. So, um, right. you know, and that's you know usually just based on the you know percentage of your compensation and the regularity of it. So, um, even if you get a big bonus, but you know half the time you don't, half the years you you work there you don't get one. Well, then you have a less of a less of an argument for it. Uh, the second thing to do in terms of analyzing whether you get the bonus is look at the terms of employment. So, look at your employment agreement and see whether the employer has language that limits your rights to your bonus upon termination. Now, I should point out that sometimes employers will have language that just says, you know, you have to be employed on the uh, on the date of payout to get your bonus. Yeah, yeah. That, that type of language is not going to be sufficient to withhold a bonus. The employer has to have very specific and clear language to withhold a bonus from you. So even if you look at your employment agreement, you think, oh, okay, I guess they've covered this off. Um, well, give us a call because sometimes there's, uh, you know, there's, there's ways we can get around that. Um, the courts really don't like you know, an employer withholding a bonus from someone, especially a bonus that's been accrued. So that you've actually worked for and earned already. Um, so that, that's definitely something to uh, consider when you are, uh, you know, if you are, you know, let go or, or given a severance package. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell is the way to go. You want to call in, ask your questions about uh, severance, your job. This is why we've been doing this show for, I guess, eight years now coming up on it. Dave Vaughn is uh, is the boss here tonight. Call through, ask him your questions you can. And in the meantime, if you want to check it out as we get the phone calls happening here and onto our topic for uh, part of the show today is, well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We've talked about this before the end of the year, and it's it's still there, and it's gaining momentum. More and more people are using this. It's it's literally like having a employment lawyer in your pocket, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Uh, within the pocket employment lawyer, you've got the severance pay calculator, which had almost three-quarters of a, uh, a billion people use that thing, seven hundred a million, rather, 750,000 people used and enjoyed and had their eyes opened up by the severance pay calculator. That is part of the pocket employment lawyer. Uh, you can find out whether you've been terminated for cause, if you are an independent contractor or not, if it's been a constructive dismissal or human rights violation. There's even a section there on uh, long-term disability, so check that out. It's free. You can't pay for it if you wanted to, and if you want to, there's a contact button right up at the top corner that says contact us. Again, pocket employment lawyer. 
Ca, but as we uh, we roll on here, brother, clarifying misconceptions with respect to severance. This list, I would imagine, you would have to whittle down from about three hundred things to a uh, a workable list for tonight, right? Yeah, we're uh, focused on the the big ones here, the ones that uh, seem to come up a lot. And the, yep. the first one is, um, and it's probably the most common. That's why it's good to start with it. Is you have to have at least five years to get severance pay. Right. And uh, you know, I'll often talk to people, and uh, you know, on the phone, and we're um, you know, we go over their their severance entitlements and at the end of the conversation I've explained everything and they say but you know I, I looked on the, on the internet or I was talking to my neighbor and um, you know I mm. they, the, they say you have to have at least five years to get severance pay and that you know it's a very common misconception and it, the reason it comes up is because of the Employment Standards Act it does have that type of a, uh, a requirement to get statutory severance pay but that does not have any impact on common law. So at common law, you're t- you're still entitled to severance pay regardless uh, of your of your length of employment. So you don't have to even meet that uh, five five year threshold to get common law severance pay. The common law basically states it could be a matter of a few weeks or a few months or a few years that you've worked for a company and you're still entitled to severance. Five years is 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 it's a moot point. It's a, yeah, it it's a completely law, right? irrelevant number. Um, I mean, the more wow. the more service you have, generally, the more severance you're going yep. to get at common law. So it, it's not like length of service isn't an important factor. In fact, it's probably the most important factor. But it, there's no threshold you have to get to. And you know, the other one that comes up sometimes is you know I, I'm I would just I'm three months in. Uh, so why would I get a severance package, and, uh, and that's because the Employment Standards Act has a, a three-month probationary clause um, that, that employers are allowed to, you know, introduce. But just be, if your contract doesn't have that probationary clause, uh, and there's no enforceable, um, you know, termination clause that limiting you to the Employment Standards Act, then even if you're a two-month employee, technically you'd still be entitled to severance pay. Now it may not be a huge number, uh, but it, it'll depend. You know, if you have, um, you know, if you're an older older worker, if you're a more senior position, even a couple months of service. Actually, you can get a severance package for. Uh, obviously, that would also be changed if you're recruited or induced away from other employment. We're talking about uh, clarifying misconceptions when it comes to uh, respect to severance, and uh, the number's still there. You want to call in, talk to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'll get to another one here before we uh, take a wee little break, and that is the company. Again, misconception with falls in line with what you get from the Ministry of uh, of Labor. The company has to have a payroll of $2.5 million at least to get severance. Yeah, that's probably the second most common one, and they, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the five years because to yep. get statutory severance pay under the Employment Standards Act, there's two requirements have to be met. You have to have five years of service, and your employer has to have the payroll of $2.5 million annually. Uh, those, but again, the the two point five million does not impact common law severance pay. Whether you work for the biggest company in the country or um, you know a, a five person uh, operation, uh, you still have the same severance entitlements at common law. And um, you know that's that's one of the big things I, I think we see is uh, people say, you know, this company, this is a small company, they're they're not a big company, so wh- why would I be entitled to severance pay? But um, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't impact your common law entitlements determination pay. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people think that, you know, I don't work for a big multinational corporation. I work for, you know, a mom and pop shop, or maybe it's me and another person I, that's who's the boss. There's no way I get severance. No, same number. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, obviously, from a practical perspective, um, you know, smaller companies may not have the means to provide um, the same sure. type of severance packages, um, right, especially mm-hmm. right off the bat, or you know, if there are financial issues, um, you know, maybe they don't, they they actually can't meet their obligations. Um, but it doesn't change the you know the the entitlement uh, at the end of the day. 
We'll take our uh, first break for the night here. It's a short one, so stick around for it. In the meantime, you have time to get the phone calls happening. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have questions for Dave. This is the time to uh, to do it. We are back live here, the uh, Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Yeah, welcome back indeed. The Monday night edition, the time is 7.20, which means you have plenty of time to call in, ask your questions, 416-870-6400, star 640 on uh, on your cell. Maybe you were part of a restructuring in the new year, just happened this week, and if you've uh, got a severance offer in front of you, haven't signed yet, which we hope you haven't, feel free to call in, man, get it checked out, get an opinion, get some uh, some ears and eyes on it, as uh, Dave Vaughn is doing the show here tonight on uh, on a Monday. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640. 640 on sell. Anytime you'd like to reach out, it is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address. And to catch Dave and Lior anytime when we're uh, we're not doing this show, which we love. one 821 5900 In the meantime, talking about misconceptions and clarifying those with respect to severance. This one, and you mentioned you know, your neighbor, your, uh, your doctor, your buddy Steve across the other uh, way in the other garage. This is the one they always dish out is, uh, you know, when you're let go, oh, you get two weeks or, uh, you know, a week for every year of service. That's normal. That's what they offered you. That's a that's a killer, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And I probably, you know what, thinking about it again, I think that's probably the most common. <laughs> yeah. Not not yeah. the first two. The, fir- the first two we uh, were talking about were probably next in line after that one. But And it's not necessarily the two weeks per year. It's, it's, some, it's whether it's one week per year, one month per year. Um, you know, people uh, oftentimes think there's like a, a simple formula for determining severance pay. And right. again, it comes back to the Employment Standards Act. The Employment Standards Act does have a formula regarding termination pay or notice of termination. And it has a formula um, based uh, for severance pay. And both of those are based on your exact years of service with the company. Um, but um, you know, at common law, there's no. that's not the only factor, length of service. Um, it is the only factor in the Employment Standards Act. It is not... Um, at, at common law, so there's no simple, you know, two week per year or, or month per year or one week per year. And in fact, a two week per year severance package um, is usually going to be really bad. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, if you could imagine the 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 abhorrent dollar amount just since you've been working at the firm of how many people have accepted that two weeks or week per year and not gotten legal advice and know they were probably owed two, three, four, ten times as much. I wouldn't even want to see the dollar amount. It would probably make you throw up in your shoes. Yeah, it probably would. And, uh, you know, another one you see quite a bit is uh, the week per year of service. Uh, so, so, you know, someone's offered a week per year of service, right. um, which, and then, you know, then they're given an extra week or two um, on top of that to sign a release. And, I mean, they think it's you know think it's a good deal and you know maybe human resources or, or their manager has told them that's what they're they're entitled mm-hmm. to and, and they go ahead and sign it but that's why it's important to check out the uh, the severance pay calculator um, if you are you know let go because it does take into consideration the factors other than uh, length of service which you is, bet and it yep, yeah sorry it, it, yep. the, the big ones are age and age and yep. position right. And it's all rolled into uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, by the way. And uh, for the remainder of your time here at uh, at 723, still got time, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell. Get to uh, to Walter. Walter, thanks for hanging on, fella. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, so a little bit earlier this year, I switched companies. And I switched into, um, uh, started working with a new company. And, you know, at the time that I was... Um, that I was being given the employment offer and everything, you know, I was being told, and there were a lot of promises as well being made that there's more and more work to come 
more and more contracts to come with bigger fish and you know bigger clients out there. Um, and so based on that, you know, I knew that I was taking a bit of a pay cut from the previous company that I was working before them. Um, that promise of you know something's always going to be there, and that eventually things are going to get better, was was constantly being made. Um, Fast forward a few months, you know, the contracts that were going have now expired um, and work slowly starts to dry up. Um, I'm going from working maybe 30 to 40 hours a week. I'm slowly um, kind of uh, go, going down to almost 10 hours a week wow. uh, to the point where, you know, I had to just put my hands up and say, you know, guys, I, I can no longer work for you. I, I have to go. i got to pay my bills elsewhere. And so I decided to jump ship. So I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of just wondering, is there any sort of severance or any sort of thing that can be done based off of those promises or those sort of things um, that were initially made? Yeah, it's a uh, <clears throat> great question, Walter. Uh, the first issue, obviously, is going to be whether you resigned um, or, you know, were constructively dismissed. So um, I can tell you the employer will probably take the position that you, you just resigned and, um, you, you know, this didn't constitute a constructive dismissal. Um, but I think, you know, a, a cut in hours and uh, presumably a cut in pay from 30 to 40 hours a week to down to 10 uh, is, is likely going to be, you know, it's a pretty easy constructive dismissal unless, you know, the nature of the contract was, you know, Temporary or part-time, or, or you knew the you know it's written and you knew the the hours were going to vary. But um, you know, based just very generally, uh, you know, cut in hours from thirty to forty to ten is going to be a constructive dismissal, uh, unless there's some type of contract allowing the employer to do it, uh, or, or um, you know, some type of practice allowing them to do it. Um, now, in terms, so how long did you work there? I was there just about eight months. Okay, and how long were you with the previous company? The previous company before them, just under the five-year mark. So you left a job uh, basically with five years of service, gave that seniority up, and went over to a new company. And after eight months, you were basically forced to resign. Yep. Yeah. And, so you know, even in the resignation email that I wrote to them, I I listed out saying, you know, we tried, you know, I tried internal opportunities of going to other departments or using my skills in other ways. Right. But I said, you know, that was denied or that was not possible. And then another thing was not possible. You know, to the point where I was even willing to move for the sake of the employer because a contract was coming up um, out of province. Right. But again, that was that was uh, denied. Yeah. So and I say, you guys have left me no decision. I have to go. Good. Yeah. It sounds like you framed it properly and, and, and went through you know due diligence on your end in terms of um, you know setting the groundwork to establish constructive dismissal. So then the issue is, if you are constructively dismissed, what's your severance package? And the first step to that would be to look at the contract of employment. So we'd have to take a look at that. But putting that aside for a minute, uh, and that is because sometimes the employment agreement does spell out the the severance and termination pay you're entitled to. But um, if we can, you know, if there's no such clause or, or we can get around that, um, then you'd be entitled to severance at common law which uh, we look at age, years of service, and position. Now, if you were just based on eight months of service, um, your age and position, I mean, I don't know your age or, or position, but um, you know, you'd probably be looking at somewhere um, you know, at, the, at the minimum of about three months, uh, and it could be, um, could be more depending on your age and position if you're, you're older or, or you're, it's a senior-type position. Now, the other issue here is inducement. Like, were you recruited mm-hmm. from this right. job that you worked at, or did you apply? No, I applied to this job, yeah. So you, it's not like they came after you? No, it's not like they were like headhunting and saying, you know, we found this guy. We really okay, so... You- no, that, that wasn't the case. I applied because 
Yeah. So uh, you wouldn't yeah. be. A, yeah. That that would. So you wouldn't likely be able to establish inducement. So you probably would be. Um, you know, uh, considered an eight eight month employee for the severance pay. Now, the the final issue that you've touched upon is um, misrepresentation. Now, um, did they make misrepresentations to you to have you quit this job and kind of give up that seniority and join them? And that's definitely a a very you know fact driven issue. Um, so, you know. It's something I would probably recommend you give us a call to discuss. Uh, I think without even knowing that, I think you know there's a good chance you're entitled to somewhere around three months of severance pay. Could be more. Um, check out the severance, calcul- severance pay calculator and, and give us a call just to discuss whether there's something we can do in terms of the misrepresentation there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Walter. Appreciate uh, your time this evening. That number to reach out, do so. Don't wait on it. one 821 5900 Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, for you, there's plenty of time still to call in just like Walter did. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And, I mean, you mentioned it near the end there, and I was going to ask anyway, but uh, the concept of inducement, I know what it is, but if, you know, every year, every show, we get new listeners that maybe are not familiar with the term uh, describe in brief what it means, inducement. Yeah, so inducement occurs when um, you know a company headhunts or recruits someone, convinces them to leave uh, you know a secure job, um, usually that they've had for quite some time, um, and then you know the person comes over and you know it doesn't go as planned, and they let them go quickly. So um, usually you're only going to have an inducement case in the first couple of years of employment, and it's going to be relative okay. to the previous job. So, um, but Walter's situation, like had he been recruited, um, and had he been, they reached out to him and you know convinced him to come over and leave his other job. Then you know that would be five year leaving a, a five year job and then getting let go after eight months. That would be able to you know be able to establish inducement with the proper um, showing the proper recruitment. Is this something that if someone is induced uh, away, they're they're tempted by another employer to leave secure employment, say they've been there for 15, 20 years, and to go to a new employer, is this something they should be aware of? And that is if they have a savvy new employer, might put something in the employment contract saying we will not recognize previous service. That could really, to put a finer point on it, bugger up your severance if you're like going six months. You're losing 15 years of use of, uh, of previous service, no? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, an employer can easily, I mean, they could go, they could recruit you and quite aggressively do it and, you know, go right. through all the, the process that would otherwise be, you know, considered inducement. Um, but if they, you know, have the proper contract, so, you know, they, there's a probationary clause, um, there's a, you know, a clause saying that they don't recognize previous service, maybe there's a clause limiting the individual to the Employment Standards Act, well, there's... You weren't, you know, it's going to be very difficult to prove that inducement um, and get credit for that service. So you are essentially right. giving up that previous, that that seniority or that tenure with the other company. So if you you do have a good job that, that's secure that you, that you're happy with, but you're tempted by another offer, well, that's definitely something you can try to negotiate with the new employer and say, look, like I I, you know, I want to come over there, but uh, I'm not just going to give up these uh, give up my uh, seniority. So I want some type of recognition of that or um, some type of a severance formula that that that, that makes sense and you know protects me if you do if it, if it doesn't work out and i think that's a wise move because you, you know if you, if you think about it if they're coming after you you're saying hey look son you want me i didn't come to you so let's play ball here i want this this and this and this i don't agree with we gotta we gotta come to some terms here before i uh, jump ship right yeah absolutely and uh you yeah. know you have that leverage in that situation uh, i mean right. a lot of the time you know people call us and uh say you know I, I have this job opportunity but they have all these you know uh bad you know these clauses in here that say that you know they um you know they're not going to uh give me much severance pay or they're going to limit it to the employment 
Standards Act. And in a lot of those cases, the individual doesn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, you know, leverage there because if they're unemployed, well, the, you know, what's the choice? Uh, you right. reject a job because at some point you might get let go. Um, so th- that's the issue. But if you have another job, if you have a secure job, um, I think you, you should uh, protect yourself, protect your uh, rights in that way. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. If any of this has you uh, scratching your head here on a Monday night, call us. Dave will answer your questions and get the uh, get the ball rolling anyway. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address anytime as well. Uh, back to our topic for the night, pal, and that is uh, clarify misconceptions when it comes to respect to severance. Uh, let's move on to the next talking point as we line up another call here. Uh, if you are, quote, signs that nobody can see, fired as opposed to more quotation signs laid off, then you don't get severance. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, those types of terms uh, come up quite a bit, I think, confuse yep. people quite a bit. And, uh, you know, the, ter- the term fired doesn't really mean anything. Um, <laughs> you're going to be, if you're terminated, um, it's going to be with cause or without cause. I think mostly people use the term fired as if it, like, you know, it's with cause. Um, yes. But, you know, a termination is either with cause or without cause. If it's without cause, then you're absolutely entitled to severance pay. If it's with cause and the employer can establish cause, then you wouldn't get a severance package. But it's extremely difficult to establish cause. Um, so in most cases, uh, you know, most cases are going to be a without cause termination. Now, being laid off, I think people generally use that term when they, when they mean, you know, it's a without cause termination. Right. And they say, you know, I I wasn't fired. I was laid off. Well, a layoff happens when you're actually just placed on a a temporary, you know, generally called a temporary layoff. So a layoff implies you're going to be you're going to come back to work at some point. Now, most layoffs, if you've never been laid off before and your employer hasn't doesn't have a clause or a contract allowing uh, for a layoff. Well, in in most cases, that's actually going to be considered. You have the option of considering that a termination. Uh, so even though you know, d- depending you know, if that's how your employer or your employer sells it, you're being laid off. You have to really look at, well, am I coming back? Are they expecting me to come back? And uh, you know, either way, even if they do say, yeah, maybe we'll call you back at some point, you should still give us a call because it's possible it doesn't tell you a severance package. And, and and plus, if if you do, and I think this is right, if if you do allow them to go forth with the layoff and if they do call you back that's sweet and it's all good but now the next time it happens you can't say you know what i'm not really into it this time they're gonna say well you already accepted it once so we can do it again yeah, so it basically the the employer will will start gaining a right to lay you off, uh, the, you know, if you accept it. And you know, I've seen cases where the person was in, you know laid off once, uh, you know, many years ago, and maybe that doesn't mm-hmm. establish the right. But um, yeah, if, if you re- if you accept layoffs, you're always at a risk of yeah. um, of the employer being able to you know call you back, and then you know the next year, the you know, two years later, put you back on that layoff. And you can't say that they've done anything wrong because you you basically there's an implied term now that you're you're allowing that. So it's important to uh, to you know, stand up for uh, your your right to you know have a job and have a have yeah. hours and be paid. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Going to get over to uh, to Rick here. Hey Rick, good evening. Hello, I was uh, let go just before Christmas. Uh, a small company that uh, I had been working at for over ten years. Mm-hmm. And I initially had a proposal to try the job out for about six months. Uh, that was a defined term. And the term went by, everything was fine. I just kept working for them. You know, no other agreement was drawn up or anything. So I, I worked with them for another 10 years. 
until, like I say, they let me go just before Christmas. So I'm 55 years old. I'm just wondering what I would be entitled to or what I can expect to be entitled to. So you're, you're, ten, and a, you're 10 plus years of service, 55. What type of level of job was it? What was the, was it managerial? Was it uh, a technical job, professional? It was a, it was a technical job uh, primarily. It was to essentially increase revenue for the company in, in an engineering capacity. Got it. But what ended up happening is the owner, uh, his, his uh, father and mother got ill about four years ago, so I started essentially running the bulk of the company without him being there. I was doing everything, so I'm not really sure how that factors in. That that definitely you know would support help you in, in the sense it could support a, a longer severance package. Um, I, I think at that you know ten plus years of service, fifty five with a technical job, just on the face of it, you probably get twelve months severance pay. And if it's uh, you know depending on kind of the the, co- the importance of that job within the organization uh, over the last couple of years, um, you know that that could even be more than twelve months. Now, I, I got an opinion from a local lawyer just to see, you know, what, what he would suggest. And his, I was surprised. He said, it, you know, maybe three to six months, um, which I thought was kind of low. Was the employment lawyer? Yes. So, so you've been there for 10 years and the, the, you were told three to six months? Yeah, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not, I should have clarified this, I'm not an actual employee. I was never hired as an employee. I was hired as a contractor because... Uh, 10 years time, ago? Yes. Did you work wow. for anyone else during the last 10 years? No, that was my sole source of income. Did you You're work, an employee. Yeah, did you show up, did you show up, you know, Monday to Friday, regular hours? Uh, well, the, the original agreement was to show up only a day per week and I'd do the rest from home. So but, okay, I, so did you work religiously? Did you work five days a week? Uh, yes. I I, I mean I, I'd have to go through a, you know more more of the factors with you, but I'm very confident you're going to be considered an employee. Yeah. Okay, so probably twelve months or so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, under the Employment Standards Act alone, you'd get uh, eight weeks. You you set out to a, a smaller company, right? Yes. So yeah. They only employed like five people. Right. So under the Employment Standards Act, you'd only get about eight. You'd only get eight weeks of pay. But at common law, it would probably be a total of, of twelve months. And like I said, potentially more d- depending on the uh, you know the role uh, your role within the organization. So okay. I, I would recommend giving us a call and we can uh, you know review any any of the documents you have and uh, you know discuss a little in, you know a bit more detail um, and see how we can assist. All right. Perfect. I'll do that. Rick, thank you for the call, and uh, wisely done, by the way. Things will uh, will change very shortly with that phone call, I'm telling you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Rick, for you and anybody else to uh, to reach Dave or Lior, member of that team, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is exactly right there why we are going through these misconceptions and why we've been doing the show for almost a decade. Because Rick, obviously a very bright individual, very mature guy, hard worker, and still thinks after a decade in the workforce for one person, his sole provider of pay, he's a contractor. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's 
you know, I, I continue to see that right on a regular basis, yep. and uh, I think it's because you know they're people are told, uh, you know, they're they're a contractor. That's what their employer says. That's what the uh, you know the contract says. So you know, why would they argue with that? Uh, but the law doesn't really care what it's called. They don't care what you label it. Uh, they, they look at what uh, the reality of the situation. And, uh, yeah, if you work somewhere for 10 years straight, um, you know, you, uh, you only work for them. Uh, and, you know, you, you work Monday to Friday, regular hours or any yeah. type of regular shift, you're going to be an employee. At worst, at worst, someone in these types of shoes would be a dependent contractor. I mean, they're, they're 100% a dependent contractor. But, I mean, I'd be shocked if they weren't an employee as well. And I and I assume it might not be out of any ill will or malice that the, his employer said, "Well, you know, you've been a contractor, so as as being a contractor, I don't owe you severance." And if it was that simple, I mean, you know, Microsoft wouldn't hire anybody, IBM, everybody in the world would be a contractor, and employers would be free and clear of owing anybody anything. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I do find uh, a lot of the time uh, the you know companies who have contractors. Um, it's uh, it's smaller companies. It's less sophisticated yeah. companies because, mm-hmm. uh, and like you say, they're not doing it. There's no ill will. They're not trying to you know take advantage of anyone. They they just think that's how you know they're allowed to do that. And if there's yeah. if you're a contractor, you're not an employee. So you don't get severance pay. Um, but you, you usually don't see the, that happen with big uh, you know big multinational or you know, uh, national companies. Yeah. Uh, Clarifying misconceptions with respect to severance. That is what we were talking about in between our phone calls. And this one's kind of the opposite end of the scale of uh, of Rick there. And that is short severance employees uh, get very little, uh, short service employees rather get very little severance. Yeah, and I think that comes from the uh, the five year um, misconception yeah. as well, right? It's kind of related, and uh, the, you know, the, and it, I think the other one that's kind of tied to is the uh, you only get a one week per year service or something like mm-hmm. that, or even a month per year service. I'll often talk to people who have like three years of service, and you know, a lot of time they're offered something like two or three months of severance pay, and they say, well, that, that must not be bad. It's basically a month per year service, but um, you know, short service employees kind of get um, you know greater severance packages, um, you know, per year of service um, than. Than, than long-term employees. So someone with three years of service, um, you know, if, uh, you know, the depending on position age, but, you know, I, I see, you know, you know, you see a six-month severance package for those types right. of individuals, uh, and and even more if it's uh, someone in their 50s or 60s who has a senior position. So even though you only have uh, you know a couple years worth of service, it's definitely worthwhile still to uh, to talk to a lawyer and uh, figure out, um, you know, what your severance entitlement is. Last one on this topic we'll get to is this, and that is if you try to get severance, uh, you're going to burn, or more severance for that matter, uh, you're going to burn bridges with your former employee. That's why a lot of people stay quiet, right? Yeah, it's a big one uh, that we see, and, uh, you know, they don't want to, you know, um, you know, uh, offend anyone, but I always tell people, uh, you know, it's, you're just trying to enforce your legal rights. And, um, you know, the company made a business decision to let you go. And that's usually the reason they did it. And, uh, so I think you need to make a business decision for you and your family to, uh, to maximize the, the severance, um, you're owed. And, you know, the purpose of severance is to bridge the gap of unemployment. So yep. that's the whole reason for it. And, uh, you need to make sure that you have enough severance pay that gives you the time, um, to, to find a, a job and not just any job, a comparable 
incredible job. And again, that's the purpose of it. Um, so, and and that's what those those factors, age, years of service, and position are really supposed to uh, predict is how long it should take you to find a new job. So, you're, it's not like you're looking for uh, some type of a handout. You're just looking for your legal entitlement to um, you know enough severance to bridge the gap of unemployment. And we've often, you know, you've you've often said on the show before that it, you know it's one thing with a mom and pop shop going back for more when you were owed more. But if you work for a large company with the vast majority of people in this country probably do, they have sophisticated HR. This isn't their first rodeo. You're not the first guy or girl to go back and ask for more. It's it's a negotiation. They get it. You shouldn't be scared to do it, right? Yeah, and, and you know most most of those big companies are expecting it and, and will end up negotiating. And uh, you know it's uh, yeah, I think uh, they are expecting a lot of the time. And like you say, it's you know it's it's not personal to them. Um, they make right, a business exactly. decision. Um, there's individuals who are trained, and and that's their job is to deal with these situations and human resources or, or, or their uh, legal department. So, um, you know, they, they see it like that as well. Um, so there's nothing to worry about. Um, you know, the other one I see sometimes is people say, oh, well, my it's a big employer, so aren't they going to, you know, they're not going to you know, listen to me or, you know, they're not going to give me more. They're, they're, they're so big. They don't have to do that. I, I find big companies are, are often the easiest to deal with just because uh, it comes back to that uh, they have the department, they have the expertise um, to, to deal with it, and they know what the law is. So uh, one, if you call them on it, a lot of time they will pay up. Appreciate all the uh, the contributions tonight, guys. If you want to uh, reach out now that we are uh, done for the Monday night edition here, first show of 2020, loving it. Uh, get a hold of Dave, get a hold of Lior, get a hold of a member of the team at the firm, one 821 5900 The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always, always, always check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca before you make a move. We will catch you here Wednesday night once again. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.